Byram, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Uh, reading out of the Christian standard, we, we find these words. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Now John had a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Well, that makes you hungry, doesn't it? Man, living. Then people from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to, to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord. I'll simply ask for my words to be yours and my thoughts to be yours, and every one of us would walk in obedience. Truly, God, what we glean from John the Baptist, that we would operate in that in our own life. And God, will be careful to give you the praise and the glory for what you do. For we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I don't know if you know the name Henry Blackaby. Uh, I was introduced to this man years ago. Um, we, we did in, in our church where we pastored in Georgia, we did a, a it was a, a cantata with it. There was also some, some uh, drama with it. There was videos. And out of that was a devotional. And, and it was called, and you go look it up, some great material. It was called Experiencing God. That's the first that I remember hearing the name Henry Blackaby. Since then, I've done devotions. And when I see his name and something that I'm reading, I'm intrigued and, and research. But when it came to this thing of encounters, I found this quote and had this quote by, by him, and, and I want to share it with you. This is what he said. He said, when God spoke to Moses and others in the Old Testament, those events were encounters with God. An encounter with Jesus was an encounter with God for the disciples. In the same way, an encounter with the Holy Spirit is an encounter with God for you. Many people today say, well, we can't encounter Jesus because we didn't live back then. But today, I want you to know in the spirit world, every one of us can have an encounter with God. We can have an encounter with the Father through the Holy Spirit, representative of what Jesus did for us. We can have an encounter with Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit today. He lives within us, and if you know him, and when you, I don't know if you've ever thought about this this way, did you know that everything we have is based in encounters? Uh, I only have one wife, and I like to talk about her. I, I do. But I remember the first time that I ever encountered Suzanne. I remember like yesterday, I still go by the house. There was a Friday night wedding. She had somebody in her house was getting married. And I was helping a fellow at the church in the community there, a little bitty church. And Suzanne had a hairdo that's three times the size of hers today. I mean, it was a bouffant. And I don't even know what a bouffant is. I just heard people call it that. I don't even know if that's a righteous word. I maybe should apologize. But I remember about that encounter was I was the only one that was really encountered. Suzanne didn't give me the time of day. That's all changed now. I remember those encounters. I remember when my three kids were born. I remember like it was yesterday. I remember what it was like. All of a sudden, the reality of the responsibility that I had as a parent, as a dad. 
So encounters, every part of our life, is, when you stop and think about it, it's about encounters. That, that first time you meet someone or something you do, something at work or relationship that we have, things that we have at church. Not only is it things physically in our life that's, that impacts us with encounters, but it's also spiritual. I can take you to the place right now. Think about it. 55 years old, I was saved when I was seven. That's a long time ago. And yet there's still times I get to drive by a little church and I'm reminded on that Sunday night when I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I might deny him, but there's nothing nobody can change. I know what God did. I might reject him. I might go back on my commitment. But I know what God did when I had that encounter with him. I hope not to. And on and on we could go how many times God's met us, even after salvation, to have encounters with him. Right up to this sermon that some great stuff has happened. I mean, standing today when we, st when we sing songs like Standing on Holy Ground. Some, some might wonder, you know, they stand up and then we sit down and then the pastor stands back up. What's all that about in church work? Well, I've said it this way about an encounter that if we had a dignitary that showed up today, if we had somebody high-ranking official either locally or in our government or somebody with, with celebrity, a lot of times they, they stand and give standing ovation. Well, I can think of no one that we should honor more than when God Almighty shows up in our midst. Amen. I'm not here if you're one of those that like to sit on your blessed assurance while you worship the Lord. That's okay. And I'm not here to deface anybody. But it just hit me a few years ago that, you know, I should stand to my feet when I sense a dignitary in my midst. And is there a greater dignitary than the presence of Almighty God when we sense in our midst? Think with me on these lines about encounters. They not only happen physically, but they also spiritually. Mm. Listen, it's not the popular thing. I'm sure there are people that get tired of hearing that. But I'm going to tell you something. In this day and age, God still called the child of God to be different. And this day, well, can't we all get along? We all look alike. We look like a bunch of chameleons, and we just blend in. God's called the child of God to be different. And a lot of times we struggle with that this, 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 in this world that we live in. But I want to remind you that again and again, people were different. John the Baptist was different. When he opened his mouth, he was different. The way that he looked he different. It was different. The way he lived his life was different. We're not going to pass out jars of honey today and insects before we go. Will you hear me? I mean, he was different. The way he talked, he came about, he was the first one to say, Repent. He was the first one to come and say, you need to confess your sins. Some of the things that we take for granted today, even to the point that people avoid it and hope that they've done it when they stand in front of the Lord. He was the first one that came and admonished people to do that. He was different, but they've always been different. People that God calls out to be used of him have always been different. For us to look like the world and act like the world and sound like the world, that's not what God's called us to be, folks. He's called us to be different. The three Hebrew children were different. Be it, be it known to thee, O king, that if our God chooses to deliver us, he can. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to you. Well, Daniel found out that there was a decree that if you go and pray to anyone else other than what the decree says, the lion's den for you is it's coming for you. And it says he went back to his prayer room to pray. He was different. On and on it goes. Abraham was a friend of God. Paul was different. He had all the education, but yet he lived different after his experience with Jesus Christ. That encounter. The disciples were different. They said after Pentecost that they looked at Peter and John and they said, these guys are different. And they recognized they were ignorant and unlearned. They were just fishermen. But they recognized one thing, that they had been with Jesus. They had an encounter that changed their life. So I've come to you today to tell you that much of our problems I think we're having in our world today is because the person that's looking for the child of God to be different and look different and sound different is not as different as we need to be. And so I've come to admonish you, and I want to be part of the solution, not the problem. I just don't want to point a finger at you and three not point back at me. But God's called us to stick out. Amen? And when I think about John the Baptist, he stuck out. He really did. I think about the forerunner. That's what he was called. 
He, he was the forerunner to Jesus Christ. I'll give you some scripture in a few minutes. But when I think along that line about the forerunner, there's four things I want to share with you today. The first one is this. <laughs> we have a place to belong. John belonged. As different as he was, as unique as he was, I mean, he was a sight. I mean, I'm telling you, he sounded different, looked different, but he belonged. And I want to remind you today that we all belong in the kingdom. Hmm? He didn't die for some, he died for all. Amen? And remember this in this verse, verse number 11 of chapter 11 of Matthew. It says about John, but it also talks about you and me. It says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. But listen to this. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I've come to tell you today that sometimes we think about these encounters that people have, and I can never be John the Baptist, that God already views you as more than even John the Baptist. Hmm. You, you, you're on an equal plane with John the Baptist because Jesus came to redeem you. And much as God used him, God wants to use us. We have a place to belong. It's unique that he was conceived by an after-age bearing woman. Did you know that? Uh, Elizabeth, his mother, was way past the age of age bearing, uh, having children. She thought she'd never have any children. It was a miracle of God. He was a miracle baby. You might not know that John the Baptist was also a third cousin to Jesus. <laughs> his mother and, and mother Mary, were his, Jesus' mother, were first cousins. He was also six months older than Jesus. They were contemporaries. They were right there together, almost the same age, within the same year. But we have a place to belong. And I've come to tell you, when I think about John the Baptist, don't sell yourself short. I say this, that if God can use the uniqueness of John the Baptist, he can use the uniqueness of you and me. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make junk. He made us uniquely, fearfully, and wonderfully made. We are. Number two, when I think of their forerunner, not only is a place to belong, but secondly, we behold because of the plan. God has always had a plan. And in our, in our world today, we, we fret and we wonder about what's going on, what's coming next. We got all these situations, still have some with masks on. We still got all the things that are going on in our society. We wonder, and you start to think, well, is this going to happen in others? And there are people in both services today, at both of our gatherings, there are several people that are going through things that are bigger than they are. But I've come to remind you that God's got a plan. Even when there's a pagan person, and in, in the scripture reminds us, even when a pagan rules that God still is authority, that he's allowed that to go on. And he's in control. He's not having a Maalox moment. He's not stressed out. He's not chewing on his fingernails. He doesn't have a psychiatrist that he goes to see in the middle of the week because he has issues. He's God, and like him, there's none other. We belong, but also we behold because of the plan. John, the beloved, said it this way in John chapter 1, verse 14 in the King James. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. John the Baptist said when Jesus showed up to be baptized, can you imagine what that was like? <laughs> Can you imagine what it was like? John's thinking, now, I, I think you need to baptize me. I also read a good bit this week about why did, why did Jesus, why was Jesus baptized? And I, I, I got to say this because Jesus was showing us how to live. He came to die, but he also showed us how to live. And I would tell you to anyone today that if you've entrusted Christ as your Savior and you've never been baptized in water baptism, you need to get with it today. Amen? Because there's something about letting the people know that what God has done on the inside, I want to profess it on the outside. That's what water baptism is. And I believe in it. I really do. I think that, that we should. We should behold understanding that God has a plan. Not only did John the Baptist, John the, the beloved, say what he did about we beheld his glory. And then John the Baptist did. But I want us to take a moment today and behold his glory. As a lot of times we look around and all we do is we see the misery and the issues that are going on in our world. But if we could stop for a minute and behold his glory, if we could stop for a minute and worship the Lord in such a way that his glory would show up, I guarantee you the problems that you have in your life would pale in comparison when his glory, the Shekinah glory of God shows up. Realize today that God has a plan. Take a moment 
Uh, I love to listen to singing. I, I really do. One of my favorites, these unbelievable rains, is, is a man by the name of David Phelps. For years and years, he sang with Bill Gaither in the, the Gaither vocal band. He's gone out on his own. Maybe one day here at the church, we'll have some folks. I'll tell you, this is going out to Facebook. One of the reasons we hadn't been having many folks here at the church, not just because of COVID, but the year before, people don't show up. <laughs> you know, we, we, we think, well, well, I'll do this and I'll do that. But I'll tell you something, we ever have David Phelps, you better show up because you'll miss a blessing. But he has a song, I'm telling you, if the wagon of your life is cutting a deep rut, if you're having a tough time, maybe you need to stop for a few minutes and behold his glory. There's something about when we beheld the glory of Almighty God, when God comes in the place, when we worship him, and, and when we put him in his proper place in our life, our lives change. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, the Lamb of God. If you've never listened to the song, Behold the Lamb, don't do it during the rest of the sermon, okay? But this afternoon, you get alone, and you listen to that song. It'll bless your heart. There's something about us being reminded, <laughs> about his glory when i think of the forerunner thirdly in times of perplexity that comes surely come into all of our lives there's times that we need to be sure i don't know if you're familiar with the story it takes place in two of the gospels in luke chapter 7 and, and matthew chapter 11 the story is told in matthew 11 it says that that john is in prison john the baptist has been in prison for the stand that he's taken and the ruckus that he's causing in society and he'd heard some things going on that Jesus was doing, and he sent some of his disciples. Undoubtedly, they'd come to visit him, and he sent them to Jesus and wanted to know, for surety, are you the Messiah? What's strange about this question is, is that John the Baptist has already baptized Jesus. When he baptized him, the heavens were opened, and he heard God speak. He heard the Father say, this is my son. He saw something, semblance of a dove that came, the, the, the Holy Spirit, and rested on Jesus he had to have known at that moment that he was in a, a celestial place. But later on in life, there were things that came up. And, and now John is surely facing death. He knows it's probably not going to end too well. And, and he's hearing this about Jesus and the stands that he's taking. He wants to know that he's on the right track. He's on the right bus. He's on the right train. So he sends disciples to ask one more time, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that's going to come? The kingdom of God is going to be established. He tells them, the disciples, Jesus does, says, go back and tell him that you've seen the dead raised. You've seen the, the deaf begin to hear. You've seen people that were blind, healed, and on and on he went. I've come to tell you today that when I think about John the Baptist as the forerunner of Christ, it reminds me that every one of us will have times in our life, I don't care how close you live to the cross, I don't care what kind of mountains you live on from time to time, from mountain to mountain, there's deep valleys that we go through. From time to time, there are prison walls. And time to time, there are issues that arise that are outside of our own jurisdiction. And you just got to make sure that you're on the right track. Mine, a lighter moment was it happened years ago. I was on a plane. I was coming back from Ecuador to the States. We were fixing to land in Bogota, Colombia. And we were about, if you, if you get this visual, if you've ever been on, a, if you've been on a plane, about the time you get on the property... If you're looking out the window when you're fixing to land, it's when the plane is now on, over the property of the airport. In other words, you can see a fence and all of a sudden it's mowed. You know what I'm talking about? That's how close we were to landing. And all of a sudden, this big plane we were on, he shot it to it and began to try to go back up in the air. And it was shaking and carrying on. And, and I was, had been in a South American country, so most of the people on there have a Hispanic origin. Besides myself, there were very few Americans on the plane going to Colombia, Bogota, Colombia. And these folks in Spanish began to call out to jesus and cristo and i heard all kind of stuff and mary i heard all kind of things 
And there's folks, these Catholics, they was doing it, baby. And let me tell you something, I'm Protestant through and through. I am. I'm on the back of that plane, and it's coming about. I'm thinking I'm fixing to be on CNN at 6 o'clock. I said, this is it. And I'm in the back of the plane, and I'm telling you, I'm Protestant through and through, but there's always been a little bit that you just want to make sure. And so I bowed my head to the back of that plane, and I gave a couple of them just to be sure. True story. When you get to that point, you want to make sure you got all your bases covered. You hear me? And I'm thinking John was in that point. Surely his demise was coming. He was wondering what was before him. There was much perplexity. He had heard other imposters and things. He just wanted to make sure. I remember a man like it was yesterday. God had allowed me to lead him to the Lord. He had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. I'd been to see him several times at the hospital on consecutive days. They said he would not ever leave the hospital. I saw him make things right with family and issues that he had and co-workers and, and the such. And I'll never forget when he wrote down on a sheet of paper, he had a vent in his, that he, was, he was, had a vent in, inside of him. I'll get the word in a minute. He had it intubated, and, and so he couldn't talk. He took a sheet of paper laying flat on that thing, and he wrote to me. He said, Brother Jay, would you save me again? His name's Walter. I said, Walter, I didn't save you the first time. God just helped me get you there. And I said, you can go. Did God do it before? And he shook his head. And I said, are you doubting? He said, yes. And I said, do you think if we prayed right now, God would assure you? And he said, yes. Shook his head. So I prayed over him right there. And he mumbled words while I was praying, being there with that tube down his throat. So I've come to tell you there are times when we face death and we face issues and things that are bigger than we are. And there's six, eight, or ten that I know about, and surely there are more that I don't know about that are listening today, whether in person or virtually. There are people that go through things from time to time that are bigger than they are. But I'm so glad to know that there's a confidence that we have in God Almighty, that Jesus will come in the Holy Spirit and let us know that He is who He said He is, and He will take care of us when those days come along. Mm. In times of perplexity, you can be sure. Mm. Even John the Baptist lived there. Let me give you one more. What I think of the forerunner, even in beheading, even in beheading, peace still wins. John the Baptist was in prison because he was living out what he thought he was supposed to do. Harry didn't like he put him in jail. It said he would have killed him except he thought there'd be a riot and a revolt if he did. Herodias, his daughter, comes in and dances for Herod and he tells her, he said, I'll give you whatever you want. And she goes back and confers with her mother. John the Baptist had taken a stand against Herod and said, it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. It's not right. Sometimes, folks, we need to understand this. In church, we need to realize this, that sometimes it's going to hurt when you stand for Christ. John the Baptist reminds me that if we're going to have encounters with Christ, sometimes the encounters we have because of that with the world, it's not going to turn out well on this side. But I've got great news to you that even if a beheading is in our future, God's on the other side of that. I'm going to show you that in about two or three minutes. But I want to remind you today that but in Christ we win. I read the last page of the last chapter of the last book. If you know Jesus Christ, we win. Great reminder. Even in beheading, peace still wins. We sang this morning, great is that old hymn of old. Great is thy faithfulness. There's a lyric in that hymn that says God is enough. He's our strength for today. But bless God, he's our bright hope for tomorrow. How bright is your hope today? If you're wringing your hand in perplexity, I want to tell you today that you can have an encounter with Jesus Christ, that he will see you through, even through beheading. Scriptures are so powerful. I, I don't know if I'll do this for the rest of ministry, but I, I sure enjoy it. 
I sure enjoy that for minutes people say, well, that's just that preacher's perspective. But I sure love giving five, six, seven scriptures, eight or ten within the sermon that show people that it's a lot bigger than just what I'm saying. So true today. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, see, see, see I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. You might not know this, but Malachi was written almost 500 years before Jesus showed up. 500 years before God, and an omniscient God, showed us that John the Baptist was coming. Over 700 years before, the, the next verse is in Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 3 says, A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. 700 years. John chapter 1, verse 6 through, through 9 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. I love this verse. It's a great reminder for preachers to think there's something when they're up here doing this. Or we think we're somebody. We need to be reminded that we're not the light, folks. We're just residents. <laughs> the light just resonates in us. We know the light. Mm -hmm. Verse number 8 says, He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Luke chapter 1 verse 17 says, And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Matthew chapter 11 verse 11. Use this early, but I want to share it one more time. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. Listen to this. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Isn't that a great affirmation today? Well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what all God had to forgive me of. Well, here's your affirmation, folks, and your assurance. Listen to me very carefully. That if you've entrusted Christ as your Savior, God holds you as an equal, if not more, than even John the Baptist. <laughs> Isn't that great confirmation today? That sometimes we think we're a nobody. I want to remind you that God put a somebody on you a long time before you realized it because he opened up a way for you. Mm. I want to close. When I think of John the Baptist, mm, there's one more reference that's found in the book of Revelation that I think gives wonderful eternal context of this. Mm. And I think it's great for us to know. Look at Revelation 20 verse 4. It says this, Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark of his forehead on their hands or their hands, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. I did some research and some said, well, that's all end time stuff, and I sound a good many more that said, go all the way back. John the Baptist. Tradition says they believe the Apostle Paul was beheaded. And it tells us that in the future days, people are going to be recognized. I don't know if you could call this the ultimate sacrifice to be beheaded. If that's the ultimate way to lose your life, and they're represented that way. But I know what speaks volumes to me is this, and it's one more statement. I want you to see it. I love the TV. I love the media for this very reason, so that you see stuff. You take notes. You write this down. This is the last point today. He says, be assured. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You know, there are some times, whether we're in a prison, literally or figuratively, whether things are going on in our life, 
that we don't know what's going on or we do. We know exactly what it is or we have no idea what the outcome's going to be tomorrow. There's just sometimes we need assurance. And we need blessed assurance. And this verse speaks volumes to me that even in the moment that when we think nobody recognizes and the ultimate, it's just a disgrace. People look at John the Baptist's life and say, oh, it's such a disgrace. John the Baptist had done what God wanted him to do. So we look at it and go, well, you know, Jesus didn't say, hey, go tell him that I'll be down there in two days and I'm going to set it all straight. It's not what he said. He said, go back, basically said, go back and tell him that I am who I am. Be assured, John. And John's days were numbered. See, that's tough for us because we live in a world where we, we always want the, the good guy to win, the bad guy to lose. <laughs> and we all think it's always going to end well. Let me tell you something. Because of sin, not in this life, death was not part of God's original plan. That came about because of sin. And all of us are going to face adversity in our life. John reminds me of that. But I've come to tell you today that we win. Uh-huh. Even as gruesome as a beheading, peace still wins. And that verse reminds me of that. One day, those that have sacrificed the most, if you want to say it that way, for Christ are going to be recognized in eternity. Here's where I end today. You know what John the Baptist reminds me? And I'm not, listen, this day and age, I want everybody to love me, but it's not the case. Because if we're going to live for Christ, there are going to be people not want to hear it. Would it, would it blow you away today that there are people, and I'm not, I don't even want to go there that long, but just to tell you, people said, no, I don't have to listen to that. Go somewhere where I can feel better. Listen, God's called us to be different, folks. When I think about the encounter, when I think about John the Baptist, the first thing that resonates with me is he was different. From a camel hair garment, <laughs> you know, eating bugs and honey. He was the first one that stood publicly and said, repent. For the kingdom is at hand. He stood against the, the church elitist of that day with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He stood against the king that day, could have and did cost him his life because he stood for morals and principles. When I think of John the Baptist, I am reminded that God has called us to be different. And the more you hear about us getting along and the more we all look like everybody else and everybody, all of it, all this, that, and the other, I want to remind you that God has called us to stick out. He's called us to stick out at home. He's called us to stick out in conversation. He's called us to stick out at work. He's called us to stick out in the community. He's not called us to blend in. He's called me to be separate. Mm. And so much today, we want to know how much we can get away with and how much sin we can have in our life, and we're still under grace. No, 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 no. God's called me to be different. And I'm not preaching something to you that doesn't apply to me. And I guarantee you the devil will be after me this afternoon. But let me tell you something. His teeth have been pulled. Huh? He only has the teeth to pull on me and chew on me that I allow him to have. Because greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. So I've come to tell you today what John the Baptist does for me once and for all. He, he, he reminds me to be different. To be different. I want to pray over us today that we be different. When you leave this sanctuary today, you be different. When you cut Facebook off, if you haven't already, that you be different. Mm. Mm. Tomorrow at work, you be different. There's something different about that gal. There's something different about that guy. Who they've been hanging out with. Wouldn't that be great? 
Wouldn't it be great as an encounter that it would be like Peter and John that they looked at those folks and they said, these girls are fishermen. They are ignorant and unlearned, but they recognized one thing about them, that they had been with Jesus. If you do not know him, today's the day of salvation. Thank you for listening to this broadcast from Lakeshore Church in Byram, Mississippi with Pastor Jay Frazier. We invite you to visit lakeshorecmc.org to find out more online. That's lakeshorecmc.org. Thank you for joining us.